Hello all and welcome to another episode of The Athlete's Advocate. I am your host, Ashelle Tack, professional basketball player and published author of The Reality Behind the Glamour of College Athletics. Today's episode features a special guest, Stephanie Rosado. Stephanie is a former college and professional athlete who is now on a mission to advocate for and promote athlete well-being and social justice by utilizing unique skill sets and values of social work within athletic environments. She believes in the power of sports changing the world, both on a macro and global perspective. She's a member of the Alliance of Social Workers in Sports and serves as the executive committee student at large. Stephanie is also a current PhD student at the University of South Florida School of Social Work, to expand sports social work research. Stephanie, it's so good to have you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Michelle, for the opportunity and thank you for having me. And what a wonderful introduction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I really thought this conversation was important and I knew that I had to, you know, get you on on the show and, um, you know, kind of get your perspective, your experience, and then obviously talk about the work that you do currently within, you know, the realm of social work. Now, before we dive into what you do as a sport, as a social sports worker in the realm of athletics, let's start with your individual journey that led you down this path. You know, you played college basketball at UTEP and then quickly transferred out your first season, what experiences provoked you to transfer out and eventually later, later become an advocate for athletes? Ooh, that's, that's, that's a loaded question, but um, I'll try to answer it to the best of my ability. Um, as far as transferring, I, from, from UTEP to Indiana Purdue University, Fort Wayne, um, you know, I had a lot of personal things going on, uh, needed to be closer to home, um, but didn't want to quite go right back to Michigan where I'm from. Um, so Indiana at that time had reached out and I thought it was a good fit for me. And that's what led me to, to transfer there. Okay. Now, you know, after graduation, you went on to play at the professional level. What difficulties did you face through that journey and what advice would you give an athlete listening right now that is curious about that process or is wanting to start their journey? That's another loaded question, but um, yeah, I had a lot of unique experiences, um, not just with myself, but things that I witnessed. And I think that's why I'm a huge advocate for sports social work right now. But more specifically about my experience, you know, I went through injury. Um, I went through pushing through pain, you know, having coaches, you know, push me to push through and things like that. And when you're young in college or even a young professional athlete, you know, you're, you're easily influenced. You feel like, you know, you're letting the team down or whatever if you don't push through. Um, you know, I've seen teammates go through disordered eating. I've seen teammates um, go through unhealthy relationships. Um, I've seen teammates that had unhealthy relationship with coaches, with coaches, you know what I'm saying? So, um, I mean, overseas, it's a whole nother ball game. You know, there are, there's nothing to protect these athletes who's advocating for athletes overseas when they go pro, um, especially in women's sports, you know, um, I've seen so many things go wrong, even overseas. I myself, um, got stuck in a country, in a country overseas, almost got stuck in customs because the team didn't give me a visa. You know, they, they weren't abiding by my contract and ab abiding by rules. Um, so, I mean, I can keep on going and going, but you asked me specifically about what advice I would give to others going through the same thing. And one is, be your biggest advocate, you know, do your research before you go 
go overseas or go to another country or even go to college if you're getting recruiting, you know, do your research. It's so easy to reach out to people nowadays with, you know, social media and, you know, the online platforms. So, you know, reach out to current college students at that college. Ask, ask them Ask them about, you know, what they think about the culture at their school, the culture of the athletic department, you know, and things like that. So really just being an advocate for yourself and not relying on, you know, someone else to do it for you or don't, so to speak, believe that all of these promises are going to be fulfilled. You know, make sure that they will be because you've done your research. Right. And I think you pointed out something important and that's being your, you know, your own advocate. You know, a lot of people rely on other people to give them information or they believe the first piece of information that they get. And it's like, no, you, you literally have to do your own research and then see where you are in your process and then apply. You can't just apply the information that everybody gives you to your situation because your situation might be different. You know what I mean? Um, and you, and there are so many athletes nowadays, um, and this is why I created the platform, but there's so many athletes nowadays that are actually using their voices and coming out and speaking forward athletes like yourself, um, that are using their platforms, you know, their businesses, you know, their voices to, to kind of guide the next generation of athletes and tell them like, Hey, these are the experiences I went through. This is what I learned through those experiences. And this is what I can pass down to you. So you can make better decisions uh, moving forward. Um, So that's all great. Now, you are a member of the Alliance of Social Workers in Sports, and you serve as the Executives Committee's student at large. What is ASWIS and what purpose does it serve athletes? So the Alliance of Social Workers in Sports is a member-based organization. And basically, We try to partner with um, practice research and policy organizations or other activities that involve, you know, bringing awareness to all areas where social work and sports kind of intersect. So um, that, that looks very different depending on where you're at, what athlete you're talking about. Are we talking about youth athletes? Are we talking about college athletes? Um, Are we talking about sport for development? You know, like the sport for peace. Sport is often known as a way to bring people together and inspire peace. So it really just depends on what specific sporting arena you're talking about and what population. But as a whole, we we also look at athletes as this vulnerable population who need advocacy and who need support. Everyone, you know, sees an athlete and they're physically fit. They're so strong. Right. And they don't know what's going on behind closed doors. They don't know what's going on in their mind and their families, you know, um, and a lot of pressure on athletes to perform and be this perfect person, this, 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 this star who does no wrong. But re- the reality is that, Athletes are people and they struggle and sometimes they struggle in silence, but um, we're here to advocate um, for them and to be their voice and to help encourage them to use their voice and to come out about things like mental health, behavioral health or social justice issues. Mm hmm. Now, you know, being transparent and honest, I was not aware that there was a social work in the realm of athletics. When I think of social work, I think of people that are alleviating the conditions of those in need 
for, you know, of help or welfare. And so I never thought that athletes were a part of that equation or that world. Um, and so when I spoke to you about what you do, it was kind of interesting to see how um, the sports world and social work kind of connect. And so can you talk more about where they intersect and how it benefits athletes? Like I said, they connect on so many different levels and layers. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to just speak about all of those aspects, but in particular, we're, we're talking about, let's just say, college athletes, right? Um, a lot of people don't know that um, many colleges already have social workers working on athletic staff. For example, the University of Michigan is one that comes first to mind. They have several um, social workers, licensed clinical social workers. They work on their staff. And, you know, that's providing mental health uh, therapy and behavioral health, you know, interventions for athletes that are struggling, whether it's day-to-day -day things, you know, academics and, you know, just life, or if they, you know, may have a mental health condition. Um, so that's one way that social work and sports intersects. Um, but there are several others. If you think about even just youth sports, many um, many schools now have school social workers. So who do you think that the student athletes go to if you know they have an issue? A lot of times it's that school social worker. So even at the youth level, it's so imperative to have that advocacy and that person that can help um, help athletes and students navigate through whatever they're going through. Right. And actually, my next question um, was going to be to see, you know, what schools right now that you guys are partnering with or what schools typically social workers and sports partner with. And you mentioned the University of Michigan. Now, how has it changed um, with today's society, and everything that's going on? How has how has that world changed from where it was maybe two, three years ago to where it is now? And why is it that social work in sports isn't highlighted as much as it should, because I know I was not aware of this world. I didn't know there were actual social workers in the athletic departments that work with athletes. I've never heard of it. I've never talked to one. Like I didn't even know they existed. And so why is it that they're not being pushed in the limelight so athletes know who to go to if they have certain problems um, or someone they can talk to, someone that can help them out? Why is it that that's not being highlighted, especially in the realm of college athletics? Okay, so you asked a multi-layered question there, but your first question was like, how have things changed, especially, you know, nowadays with technology and things like that or whatever, how has that changed the realm of, um, I guess, sports social work and us being uh, more highlighted or, you know, being more in the public's eye? Um, it's, it's definitely increased our opportunities um, to be, to, to have a further reach. Now we have more international members that are a part of the Alliance of Social Workers and Sports. Cause like I said, uh, the social work and sports is just not about the individual athletes. It's about improving communities through sport as well, right? And in, inspiring peace and social development within communities. Um, so we have members from overseas, for example, specifically in South Africa, I know we have a few members. So um, if anything now with the whole technology technological component and being able to have easier access to people. It's expanded our reach, so to speak, and we've been able to connect more. And as far as social work not being, quote unquote, a known field, the work has been doing, has been 
done for a long time now. Like I said, people don't think about the social workers that are in schools and elementary schools and high schools and middle schools and them working with athletes, you know, the student athletes there. Um, and people also, like you said, don't know that there are social workers in many college athletic programs. And um, but the work has been there. But the term sport social work is a relatively new term. And by new, I mean, like, maybe like five to six years. Um, so that's why I think that um, maybe a lot of people don't know about it. We're still in that process where we're trying to get the name out. We're, we're trying to raise awareness and advocate for this subspecialty of social work. But um, that's not to say that the work hasn't been been done for a long time. I mean, even now, there's, there's social workers in the NFL. Now, um, you know, I don't know if this next question would be answerable <laughs> or, uh, you know, depending, because I don't really know how uh, this is measured statistically, but what are some success stories you've personally experienced from athletes through social work, the athletes that have reached out and work with these social workers within sports? Um, are there any stories out there, um, any statistics out there supporting the success of this, you know, um, middleman basically between the athletic programs and the athletes themselves? Um, I personally don't have a success story myself, um, but however, like a large part of the Alliance of Social Workers in Sports is getting our name out there, this advocacy piece that social workers are a vital component of athletic departments and should be, right? So every time a, a, um, a social worker is hired into an athletic department at, at any level, you know, it's a success story. Anytime that a social worker is hired for the NFL, the NBA, um, success story right there. Um, anytime that we make a new connection with another sporting organization, that's a success, a success story because we're expanding our reach. Our membership is growing and People such as yourself, you know, are like, oh, I didn't even know that existed. That happens all the time because, like I said, we're a relatively new field. And as far as statistics and things like that, I don't know if there's statistics that I can give you. But um, like I said, um, social workers are in a lot of college athletic departments, um, youth sports, or like even school social workers at the middle school, high school level. So, um I guess that would be individually based on that organization or that school or that college, what the statistics would look like. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, normally when you say social work, you just in the, the general world, you know, most people think um, or agree to a certain extent that it has a negative connotation, right? So like usually in the normal world, like if you're talking about social work, it's a children or a child being taken away from their home because of their well-being, et cetera. How does that narrative change when it comes to athletics? How, how do we change that and turn it positive for athletes? Yeah, that you hit that on the head. A lot of people are like, social work, don't they just take kids away? But um, you mentioned the definition early on, earlier on in the show. You know, it's um, trained social workers are trained personnel with the aim of alleviating the conditions of those who need help or who are vulnerable, you know? So um, someone being vulnerable, you know, that that in itself that's who we serve it doesn't matter if it's a child if it's an adult if it's a family if it's an athlete if they are suffering it is our job to you know advocate and to improve policies or to help them navigate the system whatever that system may be right so um, 
I don't I don't know how much more positive that can get. Honestly, a show like we're here to help people. So whoever needs help, whoever is vulnerable, that's what we want to do. We're here to make change and positive change is what we we aim to do. Now, for those athletes that are probably listening that maybe are at the college level right now, still in college, how would you say they can go about reaching out to these departments if their coaches don't mention it, right, or if their athletic programs don't say anything about it? How does one, how does an athlete do their research into finding these programs on their own and then seeking the help they need to be able to benefit from these types of programs? As far as uh, what type of programs, like mental health or Right, right. So if they were interested in a, or needed help in a specific like category like mental health, right, or mental well-being, how do they go about seeking out that opportunity if their coaches don't mention this program is, you know, uh, provided by the institution or provided by the athletic department? How do they know where to go, how to find the information they need to be able to access this and reach out to these people so they can get the help that they need at the universities that they're at? I would say from the from the from the university, you know, the counseling center or their advisors um, would be a good resource, a good place to start if we're talking about within their universities. You know, nowadays with you know web websites and things like that, you can go to your university website and search, you know, the counseling center or you know just speak to your academic advisor. All universities have some type of counseling center, advising center things like that, where they have the resources um, listed or they know they can point you in the right direction of the professional to reach out to, to be able to initiate those services. And if for some reason that university doesn't, maybe if it's a smaller school, I'm not sure, um, you know, getting online um, and just searching it in your area, or even just if your coach doesn't bring it up, be the advocate, ask your coach, ask your athletic department, are there resources for us to um, reach out? And I know that that's difficult because there is a stigma associated with um, mental health. So sometimes it's hard to seek that advice, but, you know, just a quick Google search can pull up, you know, confidential hotlines and things like that. If you need somebody to talk to it immediately, you know, the suicide hotline and things like that. So if, if someone needs help immediately, or even if you know of a fellow student athlete that's in danger of maybe harming themselves or anything like that, you know, that's a 911 right there, you know, or a suicide hotline um, call. But I would just say, just ask, you know, whether it's your advisor, a trusted friend or teammate, or even your coaches, you know, be your advocate, just ask, do not be afraid to ask. But I'm pretty sure that most uh, universities have it listed on their website. Now, Stephanie, with, uh, you know, sports social work, you guys heavily, you know, focus on mental health and mental well-being, um, making sure that you you monitor your, you know, mental you know, uh, I would say status. Now, with the mental health conversation that is buzzing, especially in the athletic realm right now, in the athletic world of athletes saying, coming out, that they've experienced mental health or they're going through right now, um, and 
kind of, I would say kind of the backlash, you know, that's coming with that is that athletes are becoming weak-minded and entitled. And um, whenever they don't like something, you know, they associate that with them not being happy or when they're not being treated the way they think they should be treated. And this is all within, you know, sports, right? Because we hold sports closely to our hearts. We've been playing these sports for so long. And so whenever we're not doing good or we're not doing well or something going is going wrong with athletics. We tit our whole life just changes. Right. And so with that being said, most people think that it's because we are entitled and we, we, we're not as tough anymore or whatever the case is. What are your thoughts on that? Um, and, and why do you think more athletes are speaking out now versus what a few months ago, maybe a year ago too? Um, why do you think more people are, are becoming more comfortable and do you think every statement out there I mean this is determined on everybody's experiences feelings and whatever but do you think every statement that's coming out is valid you know is it valid to the person that has experienced it or do you think on a a broader spectrum we need to be careful how we label things and understand things to know exactly who is actually experiencing mental health and who is not so we can then give help to people that actually need it and those that are just crying wolf and i know mental health is like a very sensitive you know topic you know um you can't determine someone's mental health because you don't know exactly what they're feeling but i just wanted to ask you know as a social worker in athletics and being you know solely focused sometimes on the health and well-being of the mind what are your thoughts around this particular topic Um, I think it's a very important topic and thank you for bringing it up because it is very real, especially with the attention that mental health has been getting, right? You know, as of late, um, especially within the realm of athletics, right? And to the first point, um, as far as the stigma and all of that, everybody has mental health, just like we all have physical health, right? So everybody has some sort of mental health. So just like you would go to a doctor for your physical health, um, you would go see somebody hopefully for your mental health. So that's clear that up right now. Everybody has mental health and everybody has physical health. So they are one in the same in order to, to, to work optimally for you to work optimally as a human being, you, you, you want to be optimal in your physical health and mental health. So that's that. As far as um, like the people who say, oh, athletes are getting weaker. Everybody's talking about mental health now. It's just a a fad or everybody's just on this trend, right? Because that's what they say. You know, I think that's BS. (laughs) Excuse my language, but that's BS because you know what? Everybody's feelings are valid. I don't care, Michelle, if you say you're sad about you ripped a piece of paper, you know, that's valid for you. Even though I don't feel like, you know, that I would be sad if that piece of paper ripped. <laughs> the fact that you were experiencing that emotion says something, you know, and I'm no one to tell you that, oh, you're not allowed to feel that, feel that way. And that's the issue. A lot of people feel like athletes shouldn't feel this way. Athletes shouldn't do this. Athletes need to be tough. Athletes sp- are supposed to for skin than others no athletes are human beings and they have feelings just like everyone else and they struggle just like everyone else so i love the fact that people are coming out and speaking out about it i wish that i would have came out and spoke about it as a college and pro athlete because looking back retrospectively wow like how many teammates could i have helped how many you know like if we would have just you know advocated for ourselves and sought out help you know 
who who are saved, you know, from turmoil or from struggling in silence or alone and things like that. So um, I don't know if I answered all of the questions you asked in that question, but um, I get really passionate about that because I I really dislike the fact people, you know, don't don't validate the feelings of an athlete like the things we go through as athletes the the pressure we we have to we have to face and the the schedules we have have to up, uphold the physical things that we put our bodies through you know all people wouldn't be able to do that you know we live with things past retirement you know after we retire we live with injuries for the long haul you know, there's things that we're going to suffer from when we're 60, 70 years old just because we play sports at a competitive level. So for people to say, oh, they're just faking it, they just want attention or whatever, be, I call BS because it's very real and everybody's feelings are real. You know what? I think, honestly, I've talked to so many people about this topic, you know, just in passing or whatever, but I think you explained it the best um, when you said that mental health is just like physical health. And in order to be in a physical shape, you have to work out, you have to do things to be able to maintain a certain physical appearance, right, for you to be healthy. And that's the same thing for our mental health. You know, you're supposed to monitor it. You're If you need to speak to a psychologist or a psychiatrist, like those are normal things people should do. Um, and I think people are doing. And I think the conversation itself, especially in the athletic world, is getting traction right now is because it's important. And a lot of people don't know that we are actually saving lives talking about this. And and for people to come out and be like, yeah, you know what? I had anxiety about like five days ago or maybe this whole year. You know, I built up this anxiety where that I feel like that or whatever. It's helping people that are going through the same thing that maybe aren't confident enough to tell other people what they're going through. And in my experience, whenever you talk to someone about something, you kind of feel better, right? It's like weight is being lifted off your shoulder, right? You feel so much better. You feel like you can actually do your everyday things in life that you know you're supposed to do like you don't feel alone and so I, I applaud those that are coming out with their experiences talking about it and I applaud the individuals that have the accreditation um, and the experience and you know have gone to school for it um, to come out and be like hey I can help you I can be there for you and like you said you know going back on your point as athletes, yeah, we we play sports like from what five to maybe twenty something in our thirties, maybe forties, depending on when you retire. But it's not just physical that whole time; it's mental. Our sports are like literally eighty to ninety percent mental and ten percent physical because your physical body bounces back, right? You can, you know, like if your body's aching, you can take an ice bath. There's so many things you can do to your physical for it to bounce back. But once your mental is gone, and if you don't do anything to do like to help it, it's go it's gone. You know what I mean? Um, so it's important to have those conversations, and I hope people realize how important it is, and they continue to have those conversations. And I hope people continue to um, come out with their experiences, and I hope we continue to save lives because, like you said, there's so many people in college I could have saved just by maybe being there for them and realizing what they were going through. But because I didn't know the signs, I didn't know what they were going through. Um, you know what I mean? And so, you know, yeah, so it's a very important topic. And I and I hope, you know, the athletic world continues to acknowledge it and provide resources because we can talk all day. We can talk all night. But if we're not providing these people resources, then we're just talking, you know. Um, 
So great point that you you said there. Now, shifting back over to you and social work, you're currently a PhD student at the University of South Florida, where you're researching ways to expand on sports social work. Why seek further research and accreditation? Like, how does that benefit you? And then how does that benefit the field that you're in moving forward? Oh, great question. Um, how does it benefit me? I'm still honestly trying to carve out my my niche or niche, you know, um, how would you like to pronounce that word? As far as um, my contribution to social work and sports social work. So in order to do that, um, research is needed because like I said, it is a new field. There isn't a lot of research on sport social work specifically. The people that have been putting out this research about how to merge these two realms, sport and social work, um, they they they're basically the the founders and you know the people behind the magic so to speak and um there needs to be more in order for us to advance any fields we have to have research behind it you know medicine why do we still research medicine even though it you know we we know a lot about the human condition and the human body and biology because in order to advance you have to keep researching discovering new things and things like that so you know what best suit athletes that's going to be a developing thing within social work you know best practices for social workers working with athletes specifically that still needs to be developed what theoretical frameworks we're using and things of that nature so um that's what i'm getting from it and as far as the whole like what what will others get from it or how it will benefit the social work community and just the community and our our world in general is um, making sports social, putting sports social work on the mat and letting it be a readily known thing, you know, reducing the stigma that, oh, you have to go see the social worker. No, yeah, you have to go see the social worker. Like, that's okay. You know what I'm saying? And making sure that you know, my dream is that every athletic department um, would have a sports social worker, that every NBA team would have a sports social worker, that every you know, team overseas would have a sport, a sport social work, sport social worker. Um, so that's how it will benefit the community at large because it would just bring more awareness about the profession and what we do in the, in all the areas that we can serve in within mm -hmm. athletics. Now, you know, I mentioned earlier, um, but would you consider social work as the middleman for that transition after college? Uh, another hot topic is usually. Um, you know, after the mental health um, topic is athletes transitioning either after directly playing, you know, college basketball or college sports um, and not being ready for that world. And then athletes that have played professional basketball and not being ready for their normal work world, you know, uh, for those that do want to go into that after they're done and don't want to retire completely. Would you say that social work can help athletes with that situation as well um, of them, you know, playing sports, you know, four years or four plus years and not knowing people skills, not knowing, you know, the skills they need to be able to be a success in whatever career field they choose or they went to school for after sports? Thank you for asking this question, because besides mental health, um, it's one of the other things that I'm passionate about. Um, because, you know, just being transparent, I struggled in that transition phase. You know, how are we preparing our athletes to transition to normal citizens, you know, that don't have, the, you know, the limelight that are not in this team environment and um, 
you know, how, how, who's preparing them and how are we preparing them? What's the quality of that preparation? Um, social workers are keenly and well-equipped well to help this population. And um, that's why I think that they need to be embedded within every athletic department because it's not just, oh, you're retiring tomorrow. Okay, now I can help you. No, it's preparation that goes into this. So while they're an athlete, we still need to be preparing them. There needs to be an advocate right there next to them, a social worker right there next to them that's helping them develop, you know, people skills, um, even with mental wellness skills, um, resilience and things like that. So um, I, I just think that they, they are vital in every athletic department because it starts in the preparation phase for retirement. Not once you retire, okay, now what do we do? You know, because that's being reactive versus proactive. We need more proactive interventions for athletes so that they don't struggle in that transition phase. Cause I know, you know, you play pro sports, so you've probably seen a lot of your teammates or just people that you know that play sports and then they fall into this place where they're not doing anything with their degree or they're kind of like lost. Like they're like, man, I went to school, I got a degree, but now I'm I'm working minimum wage. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, what, what was that all for? And then you're, and then they're having to go back to school and pay to get a worthy degree for them that they can use, you know, in relation or in correlation to their skill sets that they have and what they like to do. And, um, you know, possibly take out student loans or if they choose to pay for it with whatever, um, to just go through that whole process again, when they could have just taken it seriously the first go around. But I think, you know, Adding to what you said, I think it's honestly, you can't really put a percentage on it, but I think it's 50 for 50 on the athlete and 50% on the athletic department and their coaching staff and their programs because an athlete, first of all, they're young, right? They're going to these colleges at 18 years old, right? They're just amazed about where they are. They're trying to learn everything, you know, and they don't really know the, that world yet. They're, they're learning it, you know, taking it in. And the focus is only put on sports. And if you only focus on that and these people have aspirations, these athletes have aspirations to go pro, that's what they're going to focus on, right? And and then the, the amount of time that is required to put into your sport to be great, right? Because that's communicated to us 24-7, right? If you're sleeping, you're not getting better. And so they're spending all their time instead of like studying for their test, you know, or doing whatever to kind of help and better their uh, careers later on or their education, they're putting that time into their sport, right? And then the next day or, you know, when, once they graduate, it's like, okay, I did all that I could do to make my chances better to go pro and that opportunity isn't for me that, that that's not given to me now oh my gosh I'm panicking what am I going to do like I got a degree in kinesiology but I'm not even interested in being a PT I'm not interested in doing anything with that so it's like what do I do with this degree you know and then it holds no weight um so that's another important conversation <laughs> yeah that's so real and it's funny because it's not funny but it's it's just crazy because so you know, you mentioned so many layers throughout that response. And it, it's, it's just, I want to highlight something because, because for me, you know, and um, for me, it's a social justice issue. And that's why social work is also important, important as far as advocacy and policy change and things like that within athletics, because let's, let's, let's break it down. Most, most athletes that play for the most profitable sports, in college sports, which is football and basketball, they're 
athletes of color. Let's let's keep it real, right? They're athletes of color. But like we just said, they go on the the, the school's profit, right? Um, they get this degree, and then then what? Then what are we doing? Most most people of color, most athletes of color are coming from low income areas, right? So after they did, they get their degree, if we don't prepare them, where are they going back to? They're going right back to their same circumstance. So we have failed them as a system, as a system. You, it's so real right now and so timely. We have failed them as a system. So if you want to talk about systematic injustice, look at the athlete pipeline, the sports pipeline, because that. That's it right there. We're failing our athletes because we're not putting the personnel in the athletic departments that's going to make sure that these athletes are prepared, that they can go on beyond sport after life and succeed in life. So I'm probably preaching to the choir right now, but real, it's real. People don't think about it like that. You get a lot of those people, they're like, what? You got an undergraduate degree paid for. That's that's your payment. Like, no, because I now I'm not equipped. You know, I was promised, you know, that, oh, that will help you succeed. We'll get you this degree and you're going to be set for life. And it's not true. And like you said, you brought up another valid point that a lot of these athletes going into college, 17, 18 year old, you don't know, especially if you're coming from an area or a family who didn't go to college themselves, who barely graduated. Like my parents barely graduate high school or didn't graduate high school. So you know, I don't have that mentor telling me, oh, you should do this. You need to focus on this. Develop, you know, develop your network, make connections, go volunteer, even though they're telling you to focus on your sport. You need to build your resume. What's a resume? Like <laughs> people, people, you know, athletes are not thinking about that because obviously, like you said, they're thinking about going pro. But is that the athlete's at 16, 17 years old, they're still a kid. You still don't know what you want. You know, it's very far and few in between of athletes that are that young. They really know what they want and what career they want to choose and things like that. It's our job to guide them and to advocate for them and to teach them. Mm -hmm. Listen, it just got real, Stephanie. Like I, when you said, you know, because it's so crazy because I had this discussion on Twitter um, with a, a, lot, a bunch of uh, former athletes, you know, that stopped after college. And basically the topic was the fact that athletes don't get internships right while they're in college. Some some programs and some universities do it, um, but they don't really push their athletes to do it. They're more so concerned about, you know, summer workouts and all that. Right. And so. And then we talked about how these alumni programs, right, where they're like, oh, yeah, once you graduate, you're part of this alumni association that will help you get job and, you know, they have career services and all that. But honestly, there's no help. Like they, they say it's there, but there's no help in guiding the athletes to even use it or how to use it, how to access it. You know, and, and it's crazy how like once you graduate and you provided all you can to the university athletically, it, the ties are cut. You know, programs don't keep up with you anymore. You know, you're you're depending on the type of coach you had. Coaches don't keep up with you anymore. The universities don't even keep up with you anymore. You know, and, and it's so crazy because you provided so much value to their schools, so much revenue to their schools. But once you're done, they're done with you as well. And I think and that's why these athletes struggle after. And the most important thing you mentioned that I was like, yes, preach, 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 is that most of these athletes, most of these athletes are African-American. Right. And they're, most of these athletes are coming from dangerous backgrounds, you know, 
poor backgrounds, you know, situational stuff that got them the opportunity to be motivated enough to chase scholarships so they wouldn't have to pay for college, thinking that they're going to provide better lives for themselves and their families, right? And so these kids are going there, like you said, they don't know what they want to major in. They don't know what they want to do with their lives. They're just thankful that they got a scholarship. They can play whatever sport, and that they hope to use that experience to better themselves after. But what happens between when they get there and when they exit is kind of questionable, right? Because these kids are being spit back into the systems they came from that they want to better themselves from the same. And it's like, what, what was that? What was the point of all that? What What did I do? It, it is, it, for some of them, it feels like a waste, right? It's like I wasted four or five years of my life thinking this was going to provide me this, but it didn't. And I do agree that there are athletes out there that don't take advantage of it, that it's provided for them, right? Because you don't necessarily need someone to push you there all the time, 24-7, right? You need to be self-motivated. But at the same time, there are athletes that want it, that seek it, and they can't find it. They don't have the opportunities there. Um, so, girl, you were definitely preaching. You were. I was like, who was getting hot in here? These are topics that are important that we're not having and we should have, we should look into and we should like see what we can do to better the system, not just for ourselves, but for the next generations to come. Exactly. And that's exactly what I intend to do with my PhD. Um, you know, I want to bring light to these issues. I was so excited when you reached out to me to do this interview, because I, like you said, it is important because if we can just save one person or motivate one person to, or have, you know, motivate one person to reach out to us to ask us questions on tips and advice, that's what I want to do. You know, I'm pursuing my PhD, one, because I've always valued um, education, but also, two, I want to make room for the people coming behind me. You know, there's not a lot of people of color in academia. I'm, I'm, I'm paving the way. Come on, let's go. Let's get it. You know, that that's 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 my dream. And that's what I'm doing. And I hope that I'm, I can set that example for even, you know, college athletes coming behind me like you can do it all. And, and, and we, you know, we're setting the example. And I think the most important decision that you made is to just get in that space, right? The fact that you're in that space and you're fighting the change and you're fighting the cause and you're not saying, okay, I'm just going to try and advance myself or help, help myself. I'm going to open the door for the next generation behind me or my generation is so big, you know, and, and it's so unselfish of you to do that. And so, you know, we're, we're happy that you're doing that, especially the athletic community, because, you know, a lot of people are doing it in so many different ways, right? They're, they're attacking the mental health aspect of college athletics or just at the athletic community period. Some people are attacking it, you know, the the social aspect of it, you know. And so for you to be in this space and to try to make noise in this space and succeeding at it, you know, is great work. Now, this has been a fun conversation, but before you go, what is one thing you would leave with our listeners? And are there any, are there any projects that you're currently working on that we should keep an eye for or um, look towards? Um. Your first question was what? I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I keep doing this where I give you like 10 questions in one. <laughs> but and you've honestly, the whole interview or the whole conversation, you've done a great job of answering each one of them. Um, and you've kept up. So that's great. That's why I kept doing it. But let me break it down. So what is one thing you would leave with our listeners? Um, and then the second part of it was, are there any projects that you're currently working on, you know, you by yourself or you and your team that we should look out for or keep an eye for um, in the future? 
Um, one thing I want to leave with everyone is sports social work. Like, look us up, www.aswis.org, um, Alliance of Social Workers in Sports. You can put that into Google. Um, we are making waves. We're trying to bring um, awareness to the vulnerabilities that athletes face, but also how we can use sport for good as well. Let's not forget about that um, because sport has the power to change the world. Um so, and one thing, or what, what what to look out for, that's what you asked me, right? Um, just look out for my research and the waves that I'm making at University of South Florida with regard to sports work and everything else that I'm doing. Um, I'm active on LinkedIn, um, so I will be, you know, posting my accomplishments or my research or anything that I'm doing there. Um, so, yeah, and for anyone listening as well, I'm just going to add this in there. Um, we move forward by helping each other out. And I'm all about that mentoring. If someone has any questions, if there's an athlete right now listening and they're like, you know, well, I wonder how she did this or how she navigated this process or what about this? You know, um, reach out. Do not be afraid to ask questions like the, the title of the podcast, Athlete Advocate. Be your own advocate and 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 ask questions um there is no stupid questions wow that was amazing <laughs> you know stephanie thank you so much for being an athlete advocate you know especially in the realm of social work before this conversation before i got to talk to you i wasn't like i said earlier i wasn't aware of this world that was aiming to aid athletes in so many different ways um it wasn't spoke like it wasn't presented to us you know it was kind of like in in the background you know it's like you, if you find out about it you find out about it. if you don't you don't um but I'm glad that I was able to connect with you and talk to you about it and, and see what that world is like. Um, so thank you for that. And we appreciate your work so much and your dedication and your fight for the change, especially in the athletic com community. We hope to continue to hear more about the positive work and change you're doing, you know, in your research and in your work and your platform. And we are so looking forward to you continuing to dominate that space um, and, and the amount of athletes you will help through your avocation, your work, your research and all that. Um, and like you said, you know, we fight as one, you know, um, the, the sooner that we understand that we are a powerful force together, the better and the faster we'll change the system to our benefit. So thank you again. And we hope that you have a wonderful day. Thank you, Michelle. And thank you for having me. You're awesome. Keep it up. All right, good people. Catch me next time on a new episode of The Athlete's Advocate with another special guest. Don't forget to follow me on social media. My Instagram handle is at Tack, and my Twitter is Big underscore A23. My Facebook is Tack. Also, follow the podcast Instagram page at The Athlete Advocate. And remember, it doesn't matter if you're an athlete or not, whether you're a professional athlete, college athlete, or even if you just love sports. Tune in next time.